I see my husband running for me. He grabs my hand and he's literally pulling me, running through the crowds away from the race. And I said, what's going on? What's going on? He said, there's been a bomb. That was Cassandra Bond, and this is episode 32 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Cassandra Bond is a 45-year-old account and sales executive with Quinty Broadcasting in Belleville, Ontario. She took up running in her early 30s, and even though her two children were young at the time, she went all in on the training to the point that she qualified for the Boston Marathon. In 2013, with her husband, children, and mother in the crowd, she absolutely nailed her first crack at Boston in a net time of 3.34.46. After collecting her medal and belongings, she was walking rather gingerly toward the family meetup area when the two bombs went off. What followed was utter chaos as she and thousands of others tried to make sense of what had happened and flee to safety. Cassandra walks us through the range of emotions she felt from confusion to terror as she reunited with her family and left the gridlocked city. It's been eight years, but the sound of emergency vehicles can still trigger a visceral response in her today. Cassandra didn't allow her Boston experience to be defined by that tragedy, though. The following year, in 2014, she and her husband were two of the over 35,000 Boston strong runners who made the trek from Hopkinton to Boylston Street, crossing the finish line hand in hand. This is one heck of a story, so without further delay, let's get into it with Cassandra Bond. Kim and I are so excited to be speaking with Cassandra Bond. And fun fact, today just happens to be the third Monday in April and what would normally in in non-COVID times be Boston Marathon Monday, or as I say in New England, Patriots Day. And funny enough, this is more of a coincidence than like brilliant podcast planning, but it's also extremely fitting for the conversation we're about to have. So Cassandra, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to Inspired Souls. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. So why don't we start with just some gentle, you know, warm up questions. Can you tell us who you are, where you live and what you do? So Cassandra Bond, um, let's see, I'm 45 years old. I hate saying my age, (laughs) but there you go. I'm putting it out there. Um, married, actually going to be 20 years this year, married to my husband, a mom of two adoptive children. And I'm pretty sure we can do a whole separate podcast on that Mm -hmm. another time. So my children are Grace and Fraser, and I live in Belleville, Ontario. I have lived here for um, coming up on 20 years, actually, this year, this fall. But um, obviously not from here, was born in North Bay, Ontario, lived in Ottawa most of my childhood. And then I went to Toronto for my advertising career, where I worked at a couple of very large uh, international and national advertising agencies. Uh, it's there where I met my now husband, Chris Bond, and um, he dragged me to Trenton, as I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> Kicking and screaming. But, um, you know, obviously, uh It's hard for me to even say that now because I'm so settled here and I'm so happy to be in the Quinty region and uh, have really settled down here. And it's, um, I I couldn't imagine 
really being in Toronto anymore. It's, yeah. So very happy to be here. And I'm working full time at Quinny Broadcasting, which is a locally family owned and operated um, broadcast company where we have three radio stations and five uh, websites that we uh, manage. And I'm uh, basically a marketing strategist slash advertising sales rep. Um, so that keeps me very busy on top of being a mom, on top of being a volunteer in the community and, uh, trying to, um, basically keep fit and active in between all of that. (laughs) Well, and that's how we know each other because we did do quite a bit of running together when I lived back in that area. And we're going to get into this. You have one heck of a story about running the Boston Marathon in 2013, the year of the bombings. But before we get into that, we'd love to know a little bit about your running background. How did you get into the sport? Yeah, so... I don't have a real kind of started as a child and this and that. I mean, I did do a little cross country when I was um, in elementary school, a little bit in high school, but really didn't start running until my 30s. When we got our daughter, I was 32 and um, I, I knew I wanted to do something. I wanted to get active. I wanted to do something, but it felt very onerous to drive to the gym. I didn't know what I was going to do with the gym. I didn't know how to really work out. And so that didn't seem to be the right fit for me. And somehow I thought running would be great. I knew my husband got into running. He was never really a runner growing up either. He was into, you know, hockey, rugby, and those types of team sports. But it came from a bet of a friend of his that challenged him to do a triathlon. And uh, so he started endurance training. And that's kind of how I started kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. Maybe I could do that too. And fortunately, uh, just again, in Trenton, of all places, a little store called Try and Run Sports mm-hmm. was maybe three blocks from my house. It was literally a two-minute drive um, or run, yeah. <laughs> a little longer on the run. And a very nice person by the name of Sandy Musson was running this Learn to Run 5K program. And I thought, hmm, I could do that. And uh, it was a four-week program, I believe, and I loved it. I was like, I think I can do this. And I was pretty fast. So yeah, that's basically how I started. And that would have been, I think, in 2010. So that, I think, was my first um, kind of running thing. But I have to back up just a little bit. Funny story, in 2007. I had to actually look this up because <laughs> thank goodness for all those running stats online. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was an Ottawa race weekend. Someone had said, oh, why don't you come and run? I think Chris was running it. Uh, he was doing the half or the full that year. I wasn't quite sure. But I said, oh, sure. I can do that. No problem. No training. No nothing. I'm like, I can do a 10K. Yep. So there I was um, <laughs> about to run this 10K. I was like feeling really good. Obviously, the race started and there was tons of people. And my goodness, they were slow. I was running and weaving in and out <laughs> around people. I was like, oh my God, these people are slow. Uh, and then I started to get tired very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Different than a 5 yes, huh? Yes, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I kind of remember, I, um, I was like, oh, I remember someone handing out something at a race where, you know, it's like, um, like an electrolyte, like a gel. And I happened to notice these young women handing out 
something on a stick. I was like, oh my God, electrolytes, great. So I just grabbed the stick and I put it directly in my mouth and realized within about two seconds that it was actually Vaseline. <gasps> oh, <gosh. laughs> oh my gosh, I will never forget that. They were handing out Vaseline at a 10K? That's what I was well, going to say. You see, you see, I think what happened is there was a couple of races happy, happening simultaneously. Because, oh, okay. you know, it was like right. a, a 5K, a 10K, a half, a full, kind of all happening in and around the same time. So I think that while the 5K or the 10K was happening, I think there may have been some runners still out on the on the full. Mm. I think. But anyway, so that was my first reel. And oh my gosh, I was slow. I was uh, an hour seven uh, and I was done. I was like, that is the most awful thing I've ever done in my life. So I didn't really go back to running until 2010 and I learned to do it properly this time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so what did you do between 2010 and 2012? Because wasn't 2012 (sighs) the year that you qualify for Boston? the marathon in 3.32, like a very respectable time. What happened? Yes. Well, the spring that I I did the Learn to Run program, actually, a friend of mine from Ottawa, her name's Nicole, she called me up and she said, do you want to come to San Francisco with me? I was like, yes, I do. And she said, well, I'm signed up for this team in training that they're doing a fundraiser for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. All you need to do is raise a little bit of money and they will pay for your flight. They will pay for your hotel. They will pay for the the race fees and they will give you a stipend for food. And they will also give you a training program. And it's, it's a half marathon. It's the Nike women's half marathon. And she says, and at the end of the race, firefighters will give you a Tiffany's necklace. I'm like, sign me up. Okay. Now, I did have to raise $6,000, which um, wasn't necessarily an easy feat, but um, I lost my brother to cancer, a different type of cancer, but still cancer nonetheless. And I was definitely inspired to help raise money for research. And this is where it was a great cause. And I said, this sounds like a perfect really fun race. And really, I wasn't trying to, you know, try to win any awards or anything like that. Just it was something to do with my girlfriend, a fun experience and a destination run in a city I've never been to. I was I was pretty excited about it. And um, I guess between 2010 and 2012, a lot of running. And I, I give credit to, uh, again, going back to Sandy, she was my coach for a couple of years. And uh, <clears throat> there were some challenges, though. I remember my first attempt at uh, trying to qualify for Boston because my husband did. He ran it in 2011. We went, and it was such an amazing experience. I can't even tell you. Just the whole lead up to the event, you know, uh, walking around Boston. We stayed with close family friends in Newton. It was just an entire event. And the whole experience watching him on the sidelines, cheering on all the racers, and then the finish, and then the post-events afterwards. It was such a high, and I wasn't even running. And I was like, this is amazing. I've got to do this. So that really propelled me to say, I want to try and do this and try and qualify. And interestingly, in 2011, that same year in December, we actually got our son who was also adopted. So 
he was planning on running in 2012. And obviously because of our son, he said, well, he's too young and I'll take a break and, you know, I'm not going to run it. But um, I did end up qualifying um, in 2012, no, 2000, sorry, 11 in the fall. Um, I actually ran the county marathon um, here in Prince Edward County. So basically in my backyard and I had a pretty fast time. I think I qualified at 3.33. I should go back a little bit. 2010 actually was my first attempt at trying to qualify for Boston. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the Niagara Falls race. You take a bus um, and you drive over the border to the States. That's actually where the race begins. So, you know, you go on this bus, border security comes on, they check everyone's passport, you have your race bib on, etc., but of course, when you go through the race, you're actually running through the border. Like they're not stopping you. So that was kind of cool. And it's a pretty flat race. It's pretty fast. And then you end at Niagara Falls, which is such a spectacular way to end a race. But they talk about the, inf- you, you know, I'm sure you've talked about it, the infamous wall you hit, uh, usually around 30K. Well, let me tell you, prior to that, I was, ha- I was flying. As a matter of fact, Chris was running my husband right beside me and he kept on tugging onto my shirt, like almost pulling me back. I was like, don't, don't. Like, <laughs> I'm feeling, I was feeling so great. And that 30K came <laughs> and I was like, this hurts. I was cramping. I was like, so my legs were giving up on me. I was like, this sucks. And he's like, okay, you know, you have a plan A, race plan A, B and C. So he's like, it's Okay you know, this might not be our race. That's okay. Um, let's go for plan B. <laughs> and then we're running along like, oh, I can't do it. So we sort of did a combination run, walk, run, walk. Oh. And uh, anyways, I ended up finishing in 358, I think it was. And I was, I was pretty devastated. What was your qualifying time then? Was it I was supposed to do 340. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty tough. And I was pretty upset, but it was the toughest, toughest thing I've ever done. And even Chris was spent after that run because he had never run that long. Like he's done marathons, but he's to actually be on the road for four hours and the whole like running, stopping, worrying about me. He didn't look after himself. He kept on handing me the water and the electrolytes and stuff and kind of more focused on me than his own run. So that was quite the experience. I didn't actually think I'd ever qualify for Boston, even though I hadn't attempted for years and years. It's just like I knew how difficult it was. I had no idea how how difficult it was until I did Mm -hmm. Niagara Falls. Mm -hmm. So that must have made it so much sweeter in Prince Edward County the following year, right? Or the in the fall that year. It was the fall that year that I ran again. You must have done some serious training between uh, those two races. Yeah. And I learned a lot about hydration and, um, you know, resting, Pacing. pacing. Oh, pacing was probably like the biggest thing for me, the biggest lesson. It's like, and he was like, I told you so. I told you so. (laughs) Well, you don't drop like almost half an hour off your time through training for a few months. That's really strategy and execution. Yeah, it's it's true. And I think back then, I I don't know how, but I guess having just the one daughter at the time, I had, I had time, like I had, you know, time to run. Um, I, I was definitely determined. I'm like, I've got to do this again because I just want to make it to Boston to say, hey, I've made it to Boston. Mm -hmm. So county marathon, I had never felt better. 
it's dark out when you start. It's cold. It's, you know, it's fall. It's like you can get anything at that race. (laughs) You know, then by the end of the race, it's like you're hot and you're peeling off layers. And, but I remember the end of that race and running through. And it just so happened that my coach, Sandy, was at the finish line handing out medals and also checking on the runners, making sure they were okay, kind of like a safety um, Mm -hmm. person. And I went through, I saw her first and I just grabbed onto her and hugged her. And she had to like pull back to go, Cassandra, did you just finish? She like looked at her watch. She's like, oh my God, you did it. You did it. And I just remember crying and hugging. I'm like, I did it. It was such an elation to, um, to, to feel good. To, yeah. It felt amazing. Yeah. Honestly, it felt so good. And I was so excited. But of course I had to wait until, cause this was now the, the actual registration time was over it was, that was in September, the um, cutoff. And I didn't run right. Prince Edward County until October. Oh my gosh. Um, That's about as long as you will ever have to wait, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so yeah, so it was a long time to wait, but, and then I did some runs in between and stuff too. And I did around the Bay a few times actually, and, and loved around the Bay, which for listeners that don't know, that's in the Hamilton area and you run, it's a 30 K race and it's a race that's older than Boston and it's a pretty flat race as well. It's, it's really fun too. Mm -hmm. And it's perfectly timed for Boston too. Like sometimes just a wee bit close, like maybe just three weeks out, but it's, it's, you can use it as a training run. It's it's such a great race. It is fun. Okay. So you must've just been absolutely over the moon to have punched your ticket to Boston. And, but you know, you had that long wait, but lots of time to train. So let's just fast forward to that Boston day. So Boston 2013, you were there that day of the bombing, those two bombings. Tell us all about that race day, because I do understand like you finished about 20 minutes before the first one went off. It was somewhere between 17 and 20 minutes is the kind of the closest mm-hmm. estimate I could get. So I was done, which thank goodness I was done. But yeah, it, it, maybe I should back up a little bit, Carolyn, just to tell you a little bit about race day. Because um, the whole journey was pretty phenomenal leading up to that. So first time running Boston, my husband drives me to the, of course, the, the finish of the race because then you take a bus to the start of the race is kind of how it works for those who haven't been in Boston before. So he drove me first thing in the morning and he's like, okay, see you later. He's like, you're, you know, I'm supposed to get on this bus. And of course, if you read everything leading up to Boston, it's like all these things about the bus, because the bus is a good hour Mm -hmm. to get to the start. There's no washrooms, you know, all these rules. And, you know, and of course, when you're getting ready for a long race, you have to watch your, you know, your um, hydration and your fuel and your bathroom and all that stuff. So it's nerve wracking. Yes. Uh, And it's just supposed to be this really basic school bus. And so um, he actually ended up parking at the finish. And his idea was, I'm going to park and then I'll take the subway back to Newton because in Newton is where we were staying and he was watching me. He was going to watch me from Newton and that's where Heartbreak Hill is too. So it's kind of a fun place to watch people. And then he was going to take the subway with the family at the end of the race and come and pick me up. And then we'll have the car right there so that I don't have to walk very far. Mm. Is kind of the idea in case I'm not feeling well or whatever. So 
he's like, oh, look at that. He drives into this underground parking garage and there's these buses right there. And I was like, this is perfect. Like, it's like everything is falling into place. This is exciting. He said, have a good race, honey, and can't wait to see you at the finish. And we'll be there at the finish. So I get onto this bus and I'm like, this is no school bus. This is a fancy coach bus. Oh my God, they've really stepped up their game this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wow. And it's pretty full at this point. So I'm like, geez, I just made it. And I see this one empty seat beside this woman. And uh, I happened to see her eating oatmeal. And that's exactly what I brought with me um, before the race. And um, I said, do you mind if I sit here? She said, no, no, that's fine. And um, so I'm like, that's so funny. I brought oatmeal too. And so we're kind of chatting. The bus hasn't left at this point, right? And she starts asking me questions about myself. She's like, so how much money did you raise? And I said, well, no, I, I, I qualified. I was kind of proud of the fact that I qualified. Mm-hmm. Here she is asking me about how much money I raised. I was like, this is kind of odd. And I said, well, what about you? And uh, she said, well, I, I, I raised um, quite a bit of money. And how did you do that? And she says, well, um, for the past, I think she said, couple of years, she was collecting cans of pop literally five cents a can. And I think she raised over 10 or $12,000 for autism. So that is the other way for those that the listeners that don't know, the other way to get into Boston is through charity. And there's even very few tickets for that, but you have to raise, there's only so many charities that are sanctioned sort of for Boston qualified. um, I can't even speak (laughs) Boston qualified charities. And then you have to raise X amount of money to be able to, and and it's a very small amount of runners that are still even able to do that. But the backstory with this woman, her name's Allison, is that a couple years earlier, she actually ran Boston as a renegade. She wasn't a qualifier. She didn't have a number. And she was with a friend at the time who kind of said, let's just for fun, let's run Boston. So she felt bad about it. And she said, this is my way of kind of giving back because I, I ran Boston and I wasn't supposed to. So full circle moment for her is she raised all this money collecting pop cans, raising money for autism. And she was actually a caregiver for um, a family whose child has autism. So it was really close to her heart. And I thought, what an amazing person. And as we're chatting, again, the bus hasn't left yet. Someone, an official comes on the bus and she says, Welcome, everyone. And I just want to congratulate you. You have helped raise $1 million. (laughs) I realize I'm on the wrong bus. I'm on the wrong bus. And I am literally lowering lowering myself into the seat. And I'm like, oh, my God, Allison, I'm on the wrong bus. And she says, without skipping a beat, she goes, don't worry. It's all going to the same place. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh my gosh, and I will never forget that. And that was really how I started my morning. We chatted all the way. We had great conversation. It was so funny, and I felt terrible, but there was no <laughs> sign. No one stopped me. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. You stayed on the bus. No one checked like your ID or anything. No, I, I was literally prepared to get off. But at this point, the bus was sitting for so long. 
a lot of the other buses were already gone. Yeah. I was even worried I wouldn't even get on another bus. So it was kind of a kind of a nerve-wracking moment. Like getting to the start is kind of an important part of the whole race experience. <laughs> so oh my so as we, you know, we got to Athletes Village and, you know, part of the routine is a good 45 minutes or so or an hour before the race, you check your bag onto the buses. And at the end of the race, you find your bus, it matches your bib number, and then you go to that window on the side of the school bus and you collect your bag. And that that kind of becomes significant later on. So of course, I had my phone in there and some warm clothing and different things, and it was on the bus. And so you have the bare minimum with you, obviously, when you're running. So the race itself, wow. Um, and I know, Carolyn, you've run Boston. It's such an incredible experience. The crowds you know, the girls at Wellesley <laughs> College, you know, the, the tunnel. <laughs> yes, there's the, the the college boys drinking beer on the sidelines. And because it's an, uh, a state holiday, everyone comes out in droves because mm-hmm. there's nothing really else to do. It's kind of a cool April day, but it, it's just the thing to do in Boston is you go and watch the marathon on race day. Mm-hmm. And people cheer you on. I remember running and my, my number's like one five Oh five Oh. And like people were yelling my number. (laughs) It's pretty cool. I was like, this is an amazing, I don't even know these people. And they were cheering me on. It was a really cool feeling Mm -hmm. and people handing you licorice and beer and oranges. (laughs) And I kissed girls at Wesley anyways, (laughs) whatever. It was kind of, it was a very fun experience. Yeah. So that was, and I was, you know, having obviously a great, 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 great race. And fortunately, I finished in 339. And of course, when you finish running, you feel like crap. Um, (laughs) And you have a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You feel you have to use the washroom. It's never a a nice feeling. But um, and I was freezing, you know, you're hot when you're running, and then all of a sudden you stop. And all of a sudden, like the cold sets in. So that part sucks. After the race, you go through, you, the nurses say, are you okay? Are you okay? Yes, yes. They hand you your medal, you get your banana, you get, you know, your space blanket. And then you kind of, um, they funnel you down towards the buses where you get your bag. And then there's some makeshift tents where you can get dressed. And of course, you're kind of walking extremely slowly through all of this because you've just run. Your legs are like jello. So I had uh, done all of that and I was, I changed. Um, I remember trying to use the washroom. (laughs) It didn't go well. But I was like, what am I doing sitting here for anyways? And I remember um, my husband called me. And uh, because, of course, I didn't see him at the finish. It's so crowded there anyway. And he says to me, congratulations, you finished. We're so proud of you. And he said, we we couldn't make it to the finish. I'm so, so sorry, babe. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. And he said, um, he said, the subways were full. And he said, we couldn't get it on the subway. Because, of course, everyone along the race route had the same idea right. is to go meet, see them on the run and then take the subway mm-hmm. and go and meet them at the finish. So um, it was my husband, my then four-year-old daughter, and my then 18-month-old son. And my mother, sorry, my mother as well um, came to watch. So the four of them. So he said, go to the meeting point, um, as we discussed, and I'll uh, see you very soon. I said, great. And I hung up the phone. 
And I, at that point, started proceeding. There's uh, meeting points in Boston because, of course, everyone is trying to meet up their families. And we decided to meet at letter M, which is fairly close to where we parked, but also M for mom. And that was how we were going to remember. <laughs> so I remember. So I am literally around the corner, about a block away from the race finish at this point, walking extremely slowly with all of these other people around me as I'm walking towards my meeting point. And that's when the first, I'll call it a sound, which ended up being a bomb later, went off. I didn't see it, kind of felt it for sure. It was a loud bang. And of course, when you listen back to the audio, and I'm sure everyone's heard that infamous sound, it was like echoing off the buildings. I didn't actually even know where it was coming from. And I certainly didn't know what it was. The whole crowd was very eerie, kind of stopped and paused and kind of looked around. And then a few seconds later, we continued walking. And then about 12 seconds later, the second one went off. And someone in the crowd said, that doesn't sound good. And I remember that. I thought, that's odd. But again, you didn't know what was going on. Probably within... A minute or two of the second one going off, the sirens started. And it was so loud. I can't tell you. It's actually it was very traumatic because for even a long time after that, every time I heard a siren, and even today, it mm. it really gets my attention. There's a siren, what's going on? But because you're also downtown in the buildings, it just echoes off the buildings and they were right there. Like the ambulances were just, they were trying to come down the streets and people, they were trying to say, move, move, get out of the way. Because of course, the people that were kind of around us, again, we didn't, it wasn't in sight. You didn't see the smoke. That's what I was going to say. So you heard it and then you heard the sirens a minute later, but in that minute, you didn't hear anyone because you couldn't see, right? So there wasn't the chaos of people saying, oh my gosh, like this has happened or anything. So it's just like everyone, that is so interesting. That's right. And, and the same people, the people around me had that same Mm -hmm. kind of question too, like what is going on? It's not unusual to hear sirens at a race because people get hurt and injured, and, and so that's common. But the volume and the intensity, it was like something bad has happened. And at this point, I'm kind of watching everything almost in slow motion around me, and I see even people hugging, like very emotional, crying. I was like, that's weird. Like, are they not feeling well? Are they happy to see each other? Like, what's going on? So it was confusing. And more ambulance, more police. It was crazy. And I've got my phone with me. And I decided to Google, because I didn't know what else to do, (laughs) Loud Bang Boston Marathon. And nothing came up. The news agencies weren't even on top of this yet. I was like, bang, pop, gas line, like what the heck, construction, like I didn't know what it was. And I called my work and I know that sounds really weird, but when you work in a broadcast company, um, you know the power of news. And I just thought maybe they know something because they're watching the TVs. I know that they were following me. Maybe they know something. So I called our company, Quinny Broadcasting, and uh, the receptionist, uh, also owner of the 
of Cafe Part Owner, answer the phone and she says, oh my God, Cassandra, we are so proud of you. Congratulations. We watched you all the way along. And I was like, great, great. Thanks. Um, something's wrong. And she's like, oh no, what do you mean? I said, well, there's just ambulances and there's, that we heard a loud bang and I don't know what's going on. And she says, I'm sure everything's fine. Go and enjoy yourself. And we can't wait to hear your story when you get back. I'm like, okay, well, maybe just have the news department kind of look in on this and and if there's anything going on and call me back. She said, of course, we'll call you back. No problem. But she's thinking absolutely nothing is going on, right? And uh, I forget exactly if it was like a minute or two minutes. I'm still waiting and getting more and more anxious and nervous. And of course, still feeling like crap, Mm -hmm. but I'm now more nervous. So it's kind of an overriding feeling of my physical pain. And my husband calls me. And he says, they've shut down the Boston Marathon. Something's happened. Stay where you are. I'm coming to get you. And he hung up the phone. And I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's going on? What's going on? And again, I'm trying to observe everything around me. And people were very confused, Um, thousands of people, very confused. And their families looking. Again, I've seen more people embracing more ambulances coming and going. It was crazy. But I couldn't leave because I knew if I left, I couldn't, I, I, I might not be able to find my husband. Were you at the letter M? At, yeah, I was going to say, so, were you at the M? A letter M. I was still <laughs> letter M waiting, waiting. And are you speaking to people around you? Are you all like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Or were you more on your phone, like trying to Google yeah, it? and Both, but people were kind of, just as confused as I was and kind of looking around and what's going on, what's going on. And and again, all this happened within minutes, but it felt like a lot longer than that. And then all of a sudden I see my husband running for me. He grabs my hand and he's literally pulling me running through the crowds away from the race. And I said, what's going on? What's going on? He said, there's been a bomb. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And everything, it like I knew what he was saying was true because of what mm-hmm. I was experiencing around me and the sound I heard and embraced, like everything made sense. I'm like, oh my God. How did he know? Okay. So he got out of the subway. Finally, they came up and of course they were all underground. Mm. So they heard nothing. And when he came up to the surface, there was police and security already there. And someone had stopped him and says, where do you guys think you're going? And he says, well, my wife just ran the marathon. I'm going to get her. And he says, you're not going anywhere. They've shut down the race. There's been, I think he even said explosion or bomb or something. And everyone has to evacuate the city now. So of course he wasn't going to stand for that, but he was very concerned about the safety of my mom and the kids and being, you know, my mom was not old and frail or anything like that, but, you know, concerned about her and mobility and with the kids, like just, it was just too much. So he found a bar restaurant really close by and he says, you guys stay here. Don't move. I'm going to get Cassandra. So he then of course, runs through the security, whatever, and um, comes running towards me. And then, of course, he's hearing all these sirens and he's knowing something really bad is going on. Um, And the fact that they shut down the race, it was quite serious. 
So we go to the car. That's the first thing we did is we ran to the to the car. I mean, I wasn't running. I was more hobbling. That's what I was going to say. I, I don't know if I physically would have been able to run when I finished the Boston Marathon, except, you know, adrenaline is a wonderful thing, right? Yes, it is. And this is the crazy part as well. They shut down all cellular service um, right. at a certain point because they figured out very quickly that that was probably one of the ways that the, the bombs went off on, uh, as a timer. So we couldn't get a hold of my mom. And my husband gets a, at that that time, he had um, voice to text, right? So that's a service that you can get where your voicemail comes in as a text. You see, just read it. So this message comes through. She says, basically, where are you? Restaurant evacuated. Call me. And that was the last message from my mom. We couldn't call the last place we knew was this little bar restaurant that he left them at. So he decides to drive towards the finish. Now, this was, I mean, Boston has many blocks and streets, and so it's kind of complicated to explain, but he was going towards where people were leaving from. And we even, at one point, he was having such a hard time getting down streets that we ended up following an ambulance that was going towards the finish line. And he decided to follow it. And that is actually how we got to be a little bit closer to where he left my mom and the kids to try and get as close as he could. He uh, parked the car totally where he wasn't supposed to. A security guard comes out and says, you can't leave that here. You need to move now. And he said, I'm not moving this car. My wife just ran the race. I'm going to get my mother-in-law and children and we're staying right here. <laughs> so, oh, I suspect he might have been a bit more colorful in his language. <laughs> oh, I probably. <laughs> so I, he said, you stay here. So I'm in the van. And he, of course, he leaves the keys and everything because he says, if you need to move it, you can move it. So I'm in the van. And of course, now I'm listening to the news. And it's quite surreal because the news agencies, you could tell they're trying to piece everything together you know, they talk about explosions. They talk about stopping the race. It's never happened before. There's a lot of emergency, you know, things going on. And they, they're they suspecting a bomb and all this stuff. And it's like, we got to get out of here. Like, that's all we could think of is how the mm-hmm. hell do we get out of here? And where's my mom and the kids? So I'm sitting in the van. And at some point, cellular service came back on because my phone started blowing up. And... I remember my my work called me back and I answered it and it was the news department and says, are you okay? Are you right there? I said, yeah, I'm like a block away. And he's like, okay, can I, can I talk to you? Are you okay to talk? I'm like, okay. So I remember I was even just cause I was waiting for Chris anyway. So I did a news report right from there and wow. I was shaking. I was just like, cause I didn't know if another bomb was going to go off. I mean, I think that was the biggest mm-hmm. thing. And then just worried about my mom and the kids. That's all I could think about. And I seemed, again, I was waiting forever. I'm surprised you didn't go into genuine shock. Like, Well, hmm. I, I think it's just maybe because. Did. I, I Well, I think that maybe gets to my little bit of my post story. But almost in slow motion, I finally see my husband with my daughter on his shoulders, with my mom on his arm and my son in his arms running towards the van. And he says, open the door, open the door. And I literally opened the van, the sliding doors, and my family jumped in and 
before my son even belted into the baby seat, we are driving out of Boston as fast as we can until we are then stopped in the evacuation route zone for mm. hours trying to get out of the city because it was gridlocked. So how long did it take you to get out of the city? Like you're all amped up again on adrenaline. You're like in shock. Right. And and all we're trying to do is get to Newton. So it was only like 10K. So it took us quite a long time to get back there. But when we did get back there, my daughter, we put her down for a nap. Um, and my son as well, he fell asleep, I think, in the car on the way out. And I remember talking to different people on the phone and I was getting calls from different radio stations. I remember I did a an interview with a radio station in Ottawa. And all of a sudden during the call, I see my daughter come down the stairs and she's sitting on the stairs. And I hung up the call and I said, Grace, what's wrong, honey? And she says, mom, it's so loud. It's so loud. And I said, what's loud, honey? She said, the sirens is so loud, mommy. And of course there wasn't any sirens anymore, but it was that traumatic um, of a sensory experience and really affected her as well. Um, and you don't realize that, right? And then, of course, you're watching CNN and you're seeing all the footage. And it's, it's interesting when you see that and you're like, I was right there. That could have been me. Yeah. That could have been me. That could have been my family waiting mm-hmm. for me if they had gotten on a subway. Right. And at the same time as I'm sitting in this house, paralyzed, I also am, am drawn to the fact that I wish I could have gone back to help. But all I could think of at the time was to get out of Boston as quickly as possible with my family. I just mm-hmm. wanted to get them out of there safe. Had I had not have children, I probably would have gone back to help. And then, of course, you hear stories about people giving blood and, um, mm-hmm. you know, just all those wonderful stories. But at the time, all I could think about was safety of my own family, which is in a weird way kind of selfish, but it's what at the time, that's all I could think about doing. Oh, yeah. You were in survival no, mode. It's, no, you're, you're a parent. Yeah. You're a mother. That is selfless, not yeah. selfish. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's such a weird, and it's funny. So we're in the, in this car on the way back to Newton and um, probably an hour after the race. And we're just trying to kind of realize everything that's happened and rationalize it all. And my husband looks over at me, of course, and he's driving and he says, so are we going back next year? <laughs> he's like, you cannot allow that to be your Boston experience. You didn't have the nice ending. You didn't have the, you know, go to a pub afterwards and kind of decompress mm-hmm. and talk about the race and all those wonderful things. He said, you didn't get that pleasure, that experience. He said, we have to go back. And he said, and I will run it with you. And I said, okay. So he said that. What made you actually decide? Like, what, what decision point did you come to where you said, yes, I need to go back? Probably because I definitely knew there was a nicer ending than that. Was it an immediate decision or did it take you quite a while to process and to, to come to that point? I mean, within an hour, I was like, yes. I think there was some safety knowing that Chris was going to be with me. So I guess if we were both going to go down, we're going to go down together. <laughs> but um, it was sad. It was such a yeah. sad ending to such a, a, a thing that you trained so hard for and all the qualifying and all the things that went into that. To have it end like that, 
mm-hmm. it was really um, disheartening, really. Well, you were robbed of, yeah. of that that experience. So you went back the next year. You ran with your husband for a redemption run. <laughs> yes, we and we literally held hands crossing the finish line. Um, and um, it was so funny because they put our names in the uh, the finishing, and he they put him his name first. <laughs> I was so mad <laughs> by like point zero one seconds or something like that. I was like, no. <laughs> okay, okay. So yes. we're laughing now. It was fun. You had this great yes. finish with your husband, but I've got to ask you. Were you scared? A hundred percent. Did you have flashbacks? Yes. I was very scared. And of course, it's, it was not the same race experience. You couldn't bring your bag. There was all these rules. There was security, snipers from buildings, helicopters, police everywhere, um, security checks, um, metal detectors, Along the race route, it wasn't even the same experience for the spectators. But there was something really special in that too. And Carolyn was there as well Mm -hmm. um, the next year. This whole concept of Boston Strong. And there was posters everywhere. Entire buildings had Boston Strong on it. There was flags. There was, you know, chalk on, on sidewalks and streets. There was, of course... Um, memorials where the people, the victims had died from the bombs. It was the best comeback a city Mm -hmm. could have done. Couldn't agree more. It was pretty special to be able to be back there. And and here's just going back quickly too. I should probably tell you about the girl on the bus Mm -hmm. Um, because one of the things that came to mind after the bombs uh, and I was back at the house in Newton safe was what happened to Allison? Did she finish? Did she get hurt? All of these things came to mind. And I knew I was a faster runner than her just because she, she didn't qualify. I mean, she was training and everything, but uh, she certainly, she didn't have a time close to mine. So I looked her up on Facebook and I messaged her and I said, are you okay? Did you finish? What happened? And unfortunate well fortunately and unfortunately so fortunately she wasn't hurt obviously so that's fortunate but she wasn't able to finish and I think for me that was really heartbreaking because this is a person who turned around her you know Boston experience to you know raising money for autism all these people are kind of counting on her you know and not to have that finish for her I felt horrible for her and but luckily she was safe and of course the next year they allowed that group of people to come back and sort of have uh your your finish your experience and then you were going to get your medal so I thought that was a really amazing classy move on their part very much so and 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 really to have closure on Mm -hmm. a negative experience for them so it was kind of cool after that too. She was still continuing to raise money and I donated to her charity. And I thought, this is my redemption for being on the wrong bus. <laughs> so, and she's, she's still running today and, and pretty cool. She's, she's actually, I saw on Facebook recently, she did a, a hundred mile race and, and raising money again. Oh. So yeah, she's quite the runner now. Well, you know, I couldn't help but think, as you described how the year after 2014 
wasn't the same, but yet the energy was probably triple and everybody was so grateful to be there. I kind of think that's what it's going to be like when we all get back to racing post COVID. Totally. You know, like the races are not going to be the same and we're just going to have to accept that. But man, are there going to be some grateful runners out there? <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree. That's a very, very good you point. You know, like I think about, yes. you know, I'm trying to get to Europe for a race and part of the whole experience for that race is there was the crowded streets and the people on the roadsides mm-hmm. and the towns and just the crowds, which it's not going to be for years probably. But just to get there, I think will be so special. I think so too. And there's yeah. this this camaraderie that happens with all those other runners too yeah. that have been in that same position too that kind of brings you together as well in this great community. And there is such an amazing running running community. And I have honestly so I haven't been much of a runner. Well, yeah. Like, so you came back in 2014, you went back in 2015, you and I were both there in 2016. And then. And 2016, I didn't finish, right? I actually had a really bad virus cold something. So I actually only finished about, I don't know, was I 8K or something like that? And then I just said, I can't do this. I was, I was trying to make the best of it, but I just could not do it. And that was the last of my Boston experience was 2016. You went on to doing those um, Ragnar, those kind of team ones, and you did that in 2017. But think like you, you really, I'm fascinated to ask you this actually, because we don't see this a whole lot. Like usually when someone takes up running, it's like, I am a runner for life. (laughs) Um, But in 2017, you just stopped running altogether. Can you tell us more about that? You know, it's, I don't think I've ever really put it quite into words, but I know that for a long time after Boston, it really affected me. The amount of training and everything that's involved, as everyone knows, with long distance running, it takes so much time. And I felt this enormous amount of guilt. The Saturday morning, Sunday morning, long runs, I was gone for three, three and a half hours every weekend for a long time, evenings running. And I remember my kids being so young and I feel like, you know, in a way, how dare you? They're so young. You've missed all of this time with them. So I think that's a big part of it, um, to be honest with you, is I can't continue to run like that and be away from my family. It's not fair. And I really want to spend as much time with them because this time is so precious. That was a big motivator for me. Um, You know, you work full time. When are you going to fit running in? It's got to be mornings, evenings, weekends. You know, that's all there is to it. Plus my husband, and I'm sure you'll have him on your show, (laughs) on the show at some point, but he's, he's quite the um, endurance athlete, does a lot of training. And so trying to fit his runs in and then my runs, it just, it just wasn't working. So I decided to actually get more into fitness and more into strength training. And I noticed the real benefit of that when I actually did Ragnar. And I had three different distances I had to do. Um, and it was, I was the last leg to come in after a 20, basically a 24-hour run pretty much. And um, I never finished faster. It was a, I don't even remember what the time was, but it was a very fast 12K for me. But I was doing all this strength training leading up to it, which I had never really done with my running before. 
and I felt so strong. And I thought this, you know, this um, weight training thing actually <laughs> is is kind of fun, and it's really me making stronger. And I feel like running depleted a lot of my muscle from all that training. So I thought I'm going to try the fitness route for a bit. So what do you mean by fitness? Define that. Well, I I, I, I should say more like gym training, like actual workout programs with weights. So strength um, focused. Strength, very much okay. strength focused. Like boot camps. I did a ton of boot camps. I did personal training and little runs here and there. But what ended up happening is um, <laughs> a, a trainer that I was working with um, suggested to me that I consider doing a uh, fitness competition. She said, you know, it's a new challenge for you and it's very strength and obviously diet plays a really big role and be kind of cool, new, new experience. I said, you know what? I need a new challenge. I want something different. So I decided to go that route and I think it was 2018. I did my first and my only <laughs> fitness competition, a bikini competition, and it was really wow. quite the experience. And unfortunately, with a lot of that type of training, they discourage running. They say that um, it fights against it. And then I've just been kind of working out in my basement since then. (laughs) (laughs) So have you missed running at all? Yes, I have. And I've just been trying to figure out the motivation to get back to it. And I can't tell you how many people stop me on a regular basis and ask me, how's your running training going? And you know, it was kind of easy to dismiss and go, well, no, I'm doing this instead. And, um, but at the same time, you kind of feel like they're kind of looking down on me. Like you went from this great (laughs) marathon runner to, to what? (laughs) No running at all. Um, part of it's time and just, and just priorities. And I, I, I was okay. I'm like, honestly, I'm okay with my decision that I really focused on my family, but I'm quite excited to start getting back into it. And I'm going to work my way up to doing a 10K this summer. And oh, just, so you are going to get back into running. I am. I am. And I'm excited about it. Are you announcing it on the Inspired Souls <laughs> podcast for the first time? Well, you know, <laughs> um, and Carolyn, you and I spoke last week and I thought a lot about it. And there's so many great memories attached to running, mm-hmm. whether you're running with somebody, whether you're working towards a goal, the running group and that whole environment Man, I've missed it. We moved about four year, five years ago now. We moved um, to downtown, more downtown Belleville. And there's some really great paths and running paths along the water. And I've been doing like little runs here and there and little 5Ks, but I'm excited to be working towards more longer distance and getting back into it. So is it top secret or can you tell us like, what is this 10 K? Is it going to be virtual? Is there a real live race somewhere? <laughs> have no, I honestly, I haven't made that decision yet. I'm open to suggestions. Okay, <laughs> I okay. haven't picked a race or anything, but I'm just excited to, to get back into and, and just feel like running. Like it's almost like I don't have to run to have a, an end goal, right? And I, super I, true. So true. You know, and I feel like taking that pressure off me might actually be a good thing. I'm certainly going to have a program and I'm going to work towards that. And that'll be my keeping me on track and keeping me accountable. Yeah. But I don't at this point, I'm not going to commit to a specific race. 
I think that that sounds very healthy, actually. <laughs> if there ever was a time in history not to commit to a race, it's when there's no <laughs> yes, races. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Take the pressure off. Oh my goodness. Well, I hope I didn't bully you into that. I can be a little bit of a 5K, 10K bully. No, <laughs> people. It's... I'm like, it's an amazing distance. Everyone should do it more. And then Maybe you were I got off the phone. 5K. I was like, oh god, yeah, I'm I not was, doing a 5K. I, was. I totally, totally was. <laughs> you, you run a fast 5K. I could never do that. But, you know, I'm I'm excited because I, I did most of my running in my 30s and I haven't really done a lot in my 40s. And I'm like, this is a new challenge for me. So I'm excited about it. Well, it's very, very refreshing to hear you excited about running. I'm so uh, happy that the end of that story for you, the, the Boston 2013 was was a happy ending and I know it didn't uh, end happily for everybody involved and it was just such a a horrible thing that happened like I think I was glued to the tv I was going to ask you actually because when you got back out to Newton you know it was still going on like it was going on for days and days oh like did gosh, you feel yes. safe in Newton at your friend's no. house because we wanted to get back to Canada as quickly yeah. as possible yeah. and just be home and crossing that border there was this sense of relief because there was that big manhunt that was happening um, and it was so good to just come back into Canada and just feel that sense of safety and security and all of that stuff. And to see some of my friends and family as well, who were so concerned and worried about me. It's been a while since I've shared this story. So I really do appreciate you allowing me to reflect on it again. Oh, and it's, and, it's and a real, it's yeah. crazy that you were there. I just can't even imagine. I really, really can't. And you did such a good job of, of kind of bringing us all there to all those emotions you must have been feeling. Again, I'm just so glad that you're safe. And Thank I'm you. so glad that, you know, you've, you've gone, you've explored other things, you're going to come back to running and you always bring that optimism and enthusiasm to, to everything you do. You guys are very fun to follow along with. So thank you. We close every episode with a few rapid fire questions we sent them to you beforehand did you have a chance to look them over <laughs> yes I, I have them ready <laughs> yes so no need to elaborate these are just yes. like boom 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 so yes. first one is do you have a favorite mantra when you're running so it's not necessarily when I'm running but it's it's just a general one in life that I like it's more about treating people how you would like to be treated and I think that carries through in all aspects of life. It does. Okay, so what is your favorite place to run? So my favorite place I've, I have run is definitely in Vancouver doing the Seawees uh, half marathon. Absolutely incredible. You know, you got the ocean and the mountains at the same time. Anything with water, love it. Uh, my second favorite is country roads where there's no cars, there's nobody, and hopefully no dogs chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a run or a race on your bucket list? I'd love to make it to California. I'd love to do some sort of a wine run. I think, mm. you know, wine and running definitely go hand in hand for me. Um, for sure. I'd love to do the rock and roll in Vegas too. That would just be so much fun. And like at night and the energy and the lights, I think that'd be really cool. Or Disney even. A Disney would be fun too. Um, do you have a favorite running book or movie? Well, this was a tough one for me because I actually haven't read a lot of 
books about running <laughs> or even <inspirational laughs> or watch movies. Book, but whatever. you yeah. know what though? I will say um, because of this, the rich history that the Boston Marathon has, I would definitely say the Boston Marathon documentary, if you haven't seen it, it's mm-hmm. a really it's really great and tells you all kinds of great stories and shows you even people's shoes that they used to wear back in the day. Incredible inspirational stories. So yes, I would yeah. say that one for sure. Awesome. Final question. Do you have a favorite post-run indulgence? Uh, not just one. So cheese, chocolate, <laughs> wine. In that order? <laughs> all together. Yeah. <laughs> Same time. So um, French, French, uh, French fries doesn't hurt either. <laughs> I could be your friend. <laughs> we're we're yeah. friends. We're friends. This has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. Like I'd heard bits and pieces of this story, but just to hear it all at once. And you just did such an amazing job of bringing us all there with you. So do you have any, you know, final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? Just, I am, I'm absolutely, first of all, grateful for this experience. Thank you for allowing me to share a little bit of my story. And I hope that for anyone that has ever been in a situation where they've thought about, you know, refocusing goals and um, I I think all of that is okay because I think sometimes we all need a time to sort of give ourselves a break and be okay with it. And if you come, if you come back to it, then maybe that's part of the story too, um, Mm -hmm. is just, you know, uh, being, allowing yourself to be okay with those decisions and I'm excited about the future and what's next because I am definitely not done. Boom. I think that's a great note to just end on right there. Thank you so much for joining us, Cassandra. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, ladies. I really appreciate it. 